The Tennis Gateway Podcast and the Sports Game Podcast Network, presented by our Patreon, score exclusive perks, content, and contests, including our NFL win totals contest with a $1,000 prize. Join today at sportsgamepodcast.com slash Patreon. We're also brought to you by Parlay Play. Parlay Play is a lead pipe locking for parlaying player props. Go to parlayplay.io and use the promo code SGP for a 100% deposit bonus today. Welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Game Podcast Network. It is currently early Thursday morning, August 10th, and I'm your host, as always, Scott Rochelle, once again, going solo for this pod. Should be a fun episode because it is time to get into the round of 16 matches taking place in Toronto on Thursday. But before we preview those eight matches, have to recap what happened in the round of uh, 32 on Wednesday. Starting off with the lock and dog picks, we did very well. Ended up sweeping. Our third sweep in the last four episodes. Starting off with the lock, we had Arnaldi and Medvedev under 20 and a half games at minus 117. Looked like it was going to be very easy as Medvedev did win the first set 6-2. And then he took his sweet time breaking Arnaldi in the second set. And he actually broke at the last possible moment. It was six, it was a 5-5 and and no, it was 6-5 Medvedev. And he needed a break in that final game, and he got it. So the match ended up landing 20, so definitely not easy, but Medvedev got it done, so a nice winner for us there. And for the dog, it should have been sweat-free, but it turned into a massive sweat. We had Sarundalo and Paul over two and a half sets at plus 130. Paul won the first set in a tiebreaker, and Sarundalo immediately went up 5-1 in the second set. And you assumed it was over at that point, because Sarundalo needs to win one more game. And he could not do it. Paul won the next five games. He went from down 1-5 to up 6-5. And Sarandolo did battle to hold serve and force a breaker. Then Sarandolo woke up and had a very good tiebreaker. And he ended up winning that second set before Paul eventually won in three. So two uh, bets that were not easy, but they got over the finish line. And once again, we'll take it. So nice sweep there. Third sweep in the last four episodes. We had a cold month. And it's nice to see us heat up a little bit more. So nice sweep there. Look for another sweep here on Thursday. Before we get into any of the round of 16 matches, do want to recap some of the takeaways from the round of 32. I already mentioned the lock and dog picks for the actual leans, though. We did very well. Uh, to go through some of them, we thought Umber would make the match competitive against Fritz. That went three, so Umber covered the spread and the match went over. We thought Raonic would beat Daniel in, uh, pretty comfortably, and he did. Daniel did not get a break point the entire match. We thought Musetti and Kokonakis would go three, and they did, as Musetti won in three. Kokonakis special. Very competitive hardcore match, losing in a deciding set. That's a pretty standard Kokonakis procedure. Besides that, we thought Monfi would make life difficult for Sitsipas. We did not officially pick him to win, but we did end up thinking Monfi would look good in the first set and then potentially fade from there. But Sitsipas did classic Sitsipas things and immediately punted a match after winning a title. So Monfi won in straight, but we did have Monfi first set. Uh, besides that, we had a very good call on Fakina. We thought Fakina was very live against Zverev because of how good he looked against Wolf. I wasn't sure if he was going to win the match, but I thought he was worth the games, and I thought plus 300 was an insane line, and it was because Fakina buried him 6-1-6-2. It was a bloodbath. Fakina's looked like the best player so far in the first two rounds. Doesn't mean anything long-term because we know Fakina can implode at any moment, but as of right now, the best player that I've seen over two rounds has easily been Fakina, and it's not even close. Besides that, we were off on the Sinner-Berrettini match, 
I don't call it a heartbreaker, but Berrettini had basically seven break points in the first three service games for Sinner. Could not convert a single one. And then Sinner broke Berrettini on one break point late in the first set. And then Berrettini got broken immediately in the second set. So Berrettini did have a chance to win the first set there and let it slip through his fingertips. And then Sinner woke up. So a bit unfortunate there. Uh, besides that, though, you had Alcaraz winning in straight sets against Shelton. Didn't really look great, but did enough to win in straight sets. Paul won in three, like I thought he would against Sarandolo. Uh, you had Korda getting upset by Vukic. I didn't talk about that. And you had Giron beating Rooney, which I did not talk about on the show. But that really kind of leads me into the main takeaway from the round of 32. A lot of upsets and nobody's safe. To look at the actual odds of some players that lost, Rublev lost early to McDonald, and McDonald was plus 300. You saw, for example, Munfi who was plus 275 against Tsitsipas. Fakina was plus 300, and he won in three. I'm sorry, he won in two. So once again, that's a bunch of upsets there. And then you had the two late ones. Vukic was plus 225, and you had Rune, who lost to Giron, and Giron was plus 250. So a lot of underdogs that ended up winning, and hopefully you ended up cashing a couple of those. Still a little bit upset Umber didn't get across the finish line. We almost swept all of the underdogs that we liked on the show. But the point is, did, did a very good job in general uh, going through the round of Six, uh, round of 32, and hopefully that keeps going for the round of 16. Besides that, though, other takeaways, I, I did not think Murray looked that good uh, in his match against Purcell, went three, ended up winning 7-5. Now he has an immediate turnaround to face off against Sinner. That's a really bad spot for Murray, and unfortunately, there are no lines up on the match. I'll get into that in a second, but I think Monfi, uh, for example, is more likely to have success in the next round compared to Murray, for example, not just because of opponent, but because Monfi won easily and Murray had a war on his hands. And I do wonder with the lack of days off in between how these older players or injured players or all the above are going to fare in the quick turnaround. And that's going to be a serious problem, in my opinion, for Murray on Thursday. But once again, overall, very good episode. So hopefully we'll keep it rolling. But moving on to the Thursday matches. Now, I alluded to it a second ago that I did not have a line on the Murray match that is pretty common on this card. So there are eight matches. I have betting lines on the first four, and then I have no lines for the other four. So we're going to have to get creative a little bit, but either way, I'll mention my takeaways anywhere, my thoughts on the matchups. But starting off with the first match of the day, you have a matchup taking place at 11 a.m. Eastern time between Fakina and Rude. They faced off twice in their careers, and they're tied 1-1. Faced off in the French Open back in 2021, Fakina won that one in five, so a very competitive match there. They faced off on hard court in the next-gen finals in 2019. That was first to four in sets, not first to six, but Rude did win that one. In five, does it mean anything? No. But I think the main takeaway that you can have is that both those matches went to five sets. So these players are pretty competitive when, they're, when they face off against each other. And I think you can imply the same thing might occur here on Thursday, especially with how well Fakina's played. I think Fakina's alive to win this. Now, Rude is minus 146, and Fakina's plus 126. The spread is Rude minus one and a half and minus 113. Fakina plus one and a half and minus 107. Over under is 22 and a half. Over is minus 112. Under is minus 108. And the over under in sets is set at plus 130 to the over and minus 160 to the under. For this match, I really see a coin flip and Fakina's plus money. So I'll go with Fakina here. Once again, he has looked incredible. It's the best tennis that he's played all year. And Rude looked fine against Laheshka. He beat a guy that he was supposed to beat. Wasn't easy, though. Ended up being 7 6 6 4. 
So the it was pretty competitive there. And I believe Rude was actually down a couple of set points in that first set tiebreaker before Laheshka kind of fell apart there to end the tiebreaker. So I do think, once again, Rude did win in straight sets, but he was pretty fortunate to not drop a set in that match because Laheshka did lead 6-4 in that breaker and proceeded to lose the next uh, five points, oh, four points. So once again, I do think Rude has been a bit underwhelming lately with his performances. We expect him to win at least one clay event in that 250-500 swing in between the grass season and the hardcore season in Europe. He did not, and that's a bit shocking, but I think Rude, once again, is playing fine, but Fakina's been really, really good. I'm going to go with him. I think he'll get it done. I would also lean to the over. I think plus 130 for three sets makes a lot of sense since both players can be head cases at times, but I do think that Fakina's game is translated very well to the Toronto hard courts. Give me Fakina money line at plus 126. Now, moving on to the next match, you have Rayonich taking on McDonald. And I don't want to call it the exact same matchup as what Rayonich had on Wednesday, but McDonald's undersized. And I do think that's going to be a problem because we know Rayonich has been bombing serves left and right. And Daniel did not have a single break point in the entire match. So I do wonder if McDonald can actually return serves in this matchup. He is 5'10". So I think he's slightly taller than Daniel. But the point is, McDonald and Rayonich do have a bit of history against each other. They're one and one. They have not faced off, though, in five years. Faced off in Wimbledon, Rayonich one and four. And they faced off in Hardcourt in Shanghai. And McDonald won that one in three. So I do think, once again, the odds are pretty fair in this one. Uh, where Rayonich is around minus 119. McDonald is is a minus 101. I am going to the over in this one. I can really see a three-setter, maybe a couple tie breaks. McDonald is very talented. The problem is it serves not great. And you can you can make an argument Rayonich can potentially break McDonald at least once because McDonald doesn't exactly have a good enough serve to consistently fight off pressure. Rayonich isn't the greatest at rallying, but we know with his serve, he should be able to hold pretty much every time in this match, maybe the exception of one. But McDonald has good, has good ground strokes, so they're kind of opposite players where Rayonich has a big serve and relies a lot on ending points quickly. McDonald does not have a big serve, and he tries to extend points. So it should be interesting, but I think with the conflicting styles, I am going to lean to the over in this match. I can probably expect one tiebreaker minimum, and I do think with the history they've had, you have seen some competitive matches. I think McDonald, once again, who beat Rublev on Wednesday, is playing great tennis, and I do think he's pretty live to pull this off, obviously at around even money. I'm going to go with the over in what looks like a pretty pick a match here. So give me the over and potentially three sets. Now, moving on to the next match, you have Dimenauer against Fritz, and Fritz is the favorite here at around minus 142. Dimenauer is around plus 122 the other way. As for the spread, Fritz is minus one and a half games, a minus 107, and Dimenauer is plus one and a half, a minus 113. Over-unders at 23, and I didn't mention before, by the way, Rayonich three sets is plus 126. Same exact odds as Dimenauer and Fritz. Both are three, and a half, are three sets, plus 126. So looking at the head-to-head here, they go way back. In fact, Dimenauer actually has a winning record against Fritz, as Dimenauer is four and three lifetime against Fritz. Now, I will admit, though, that is pretty misleading because of the fact that Dimenauer won pretty much each of the first four meetings against Fritz, and then Fritz won the last three. So it appears that Fritz either figured something out against him or has just drastically improved as a player. But you're looking at the last couple of meetings here, which Fritz ended up winning, faced off in the U.S. Open 
and Fritz won in four in 2021. Faced off in 2022 in Indian Wells, and Fritz won that one in three. And they faced off in Eastbourne, and that was that was in 2022, by the way. And then they faced off in Eastbourne in 2022 as well on grass, and Fritz won that one in three. So you have seen some competitive matches, but I do think once again, I'm really concerned about the fatigue for Fritz. And even though Fritz did win in the third set against against Umber. I really didn't think he did much in that entire third set. He served better than the second set, but it really just seemed like Umber kept hitting errors and double faulting. And it seemed like Fritz just got out of uh, Umber's way while Umber was imploding and Fritz did the bare minimum to win. But I think when you're looking at how these players match up, Dimenauer is a pretty rough matchup for Fritz. I know he doesn't have a great serve, so you can argue Fritz might be able to jump all over him. But Fritz really was not serving that well as the match went on. He picked it up in the third set, but I did think his serve looked more vulnerable than usual. And with that being the case, we know Dimenauer is a very good returner. We know he's very quick on the court, and we know he's got a lot of energy. I think that if this goes to a long match, which I think it's going to... I think Fritz might run out of gas because he played once again the entire tournament in Atlanta, won a title, then made a deep run in D.C. and ended up losing in the semis. And he had played two matches in the same day the day prior. So he's had a couple of marathon matches. And then on top of that, he immediately went from D.C. to Toronto and played a three-setter in his first match there. So Fritz has been involved in a lot of wars, and I wonder when it's going to be too much for him to take. It was too much for him to take against Greekspor, and I do think with the ability of Dimenauer to keep the ball in play, unlike Umber, he's going to make Fritz hit more shots, and as a result, I am concerned about the gas tank for Fritz. I am going to lean to Dimenauer at around plus 122, and I am going to lean to the over two and a half sets I can potentially see three here, but I do think the longer it goes, the better off Dimenauer is going to be. So I am going to go with Dimenauer Moneyline at plus 122. Maybe look for Dimenauer in three if you think that Fritz wins a set, because I do think, once again, he's going to outlast Fritz in this match based on stamina. So that's kind of how I'm leaning in that match. And then moving on to the last match that I have a line on, you have a matchup between Medvedev and Musetti. And Medvedev is around minus four and a half at minus 117. Musetti is plus four and a half, minus 103. Medvedev is minus 450 on the money line. Musetti is plus 360. Over-unders at 20 and a half. The under's minus 107. Under's minus one. Uh, sorry, the over is minus 113. The under's minus 107. And the match to go to with three sets is plus 190. So yesterday, I ended up taking Medvedev on hard court against an Italian to win pretty comfortably. And I have the same thing here. Now, Musetti is better than Arnaldi on hard court, but that, I'm not sure if that's saying much. The point is, Musetti had not played many hard court matches leading into this event and then immediately had a three set war against Kokonakis. I don't think he's ready for Medvedev. Medvedev has been insane on hard courts this year. He looked good in the match against Arnaldi. And I do think Musetti, with the one handed backhand and the tendency to hit unforced errors, is going to self-destruct in a couple of these service games to give Medvedev some breaks. But Musetti is also not a great server, so I do think that Medvedev is going to be able to uh, live pretty comfortably in his own service games while being able to provide constant pressure against Musetti in his. So I think I'm looking at Medvedev once again to win in straight sets or the under. Musetti might make it close, maybe a 6-4, 6-4 type match, but I think that Medvedev will end up winning in straight sets because he's the much better player on hardcore. But now we get to the weird part, which is the four matches with no line. So starting off with the 
first match there, you have Munfi taking on Vukic. They've never played against each other. I have no idea what the lines are going to be. I'm assuming that Munfi is going to be favored in this one because he just beat Tsitsipas and he's more well-known as a player. But I do think when you're looking at how this match should unfold, Vukic has looked good. He played a lot of tennis, though. I got to at least mention it. He ended up going to the final in Atlanta, then lost immediately in D.C., so he was off for a couple of days there. And then he went through qualifying in Toronto as a lucky loser, by the way, lost to Schwartzman in qualifying, then beat Chorich and ended up beating Korda in three. But that means he's played four matches since the fifth. And that's going to be a bit of a problem for stamina since Monfi, we know, loves to keep balls in play and loves to have long rallies. I think Monfi's going to get it done. I think it's going to be competitive, though, because Vukic is a pretty good server. But the fatigue angle is a bit... Uh, worrisome, in my opinion, and I think that Monfi is pretty live to get this done in potentially straight sets, but I think I'll lean three, but I don't know what the lines are. It should be relatively cheap, cheap enough to consider Monfi straight on the money line, so I'm going to go with Monfi money line in that one. Now, moving on to the next one, you have Tommy Paul taking on Giron, and for this one, Giron is up 3-1 in the head-to-head. Giron has actually won uh, three of the last four matches. Now, a lot of them were a long time ago. They have one match post-2020, and Giron won in Miami in straight sets in 2021. Uh, they faced off in New Haven in 2019. Paul won in straight sets. Faced off in Aptus, and Giron won in straight sets in 2018, and Giron won in a Futures event in 2017. So, once again, a lot of long history between these Americans. Doesn't really mean anything, but I am going to go with Giron in this match. He looked good against Rune, but I know he ended up having a pretty interesting set of qualifying here because he had to beat uh, Chapel in the first round of qualifying in three, beat Albert 6-3, 6-1, and then he ended up beating Rusevori in straight sets and Rune, but he's looked good, and he's gotten better as the qualifying and the tournament have progressed. Paul's looked fine, but he's had a couple of marathons. He had the three-set war against Dimenauer, which he lost. He had the three-set war against Schwartzman, and he also had a three-set war against Sarundalo yesterday. I have concern about fatigue, and I think Giron and Paul play very similarly, and I do think as a result, I'm going to lean to the over once again, but I am going to lean to Giron. I think Paul's probably going to be favored because of his reputation, but Giron has fared well against him in the past. I think that Giron's worth a look here at what should be a small amount of plus money. Give me Giron on the money line there. And moving on to the second and last match here, you have Alcaraz taking on her catch. Don't have lines once again. Faced off one time this uh, in their careers in Miami 2022. Alcaraz won 7-6-7-6. Uh, her catch has looked fine so far in this event. Ended up... Uh, keeping busy yesterday as he ended up going to three sets against Kekmanovic, which he ended up coming back from a set down in, including a 6-0 bagel in the third set. Also beat Bublik in the first round in straight sets. But Alcaraz played his first hardcourt match in a long time. Didn't look great against Shelton, but looked good enough. Her catch is obviously better than Shelton, but I do think Shelton's actually a decent preparation for her catch because both guys love to serve big, aren't the greatest at rallying, and have a lot of power on the forehand side. So I do think Alcaraz should look pretty comfortable since he just faced a pretty similar player. I know Shelton is a lot younger and her catch is better once again, but I think when you're looking at this matchup, Alcaraz, I think, got the rust off a little bit, and I do think he'll be able to look good against her catch. I'm not sure what the line's going to be, so I really can't give out any betting picks here. Would it shock me if Hercatch won a set? No. Would it shock me if there was a tiebreaker? No. I think there will be a tiebreaker in the match, but I think Alcaraz probably wins in straight sets. Probably a similar scoreline to Shelton on Wednesday, but some type of like 7-6, 6-3 final I can see. 
But I do think if you're looking at the potential upset chances that her catch has, it's not high. I think Alcaraz is going to play well. I think he's going to win. Now, moving on to the final match, you have the Murray match take as he is taking on Sinner. And no lines here. Sinner should be a massive favorite because Murray should be exhausted. And that's going to be a problem. Now, to go to the head-to-head here, they faced off in Doha earlier uh, uh, last year. And Sinner won that one in straight set, 7-5-6-2. And they faced off in 2021 on hard court, and Murray won that one, 7-6-6-3. So I mentioned it earlier, but it's a really bad scheduling spot for Murray, who had to play against Sonigo in the first round, very competitive first set. Then Sonigo didn't show up for the second set. But he had a war against Purcell, a match that took two hours and 47 minutes, and Sinner's match took less than that. Now, Sinner is younger as well, so we know he should be the fresher of the two guys naturally, but he's even fresher than what he should have been because Murray might be exhausted. You can tell in the le- the latter stages of the third set, Murray was kind of taking some points off when it comes to running around the court because he wanted to save some energy, and it worked out. But for the sake of this matchup, I do think Sinner is pretty live to destroy Murray in this matchup. You can argue maybe Murray first set, but I really don't think Murray's got a great serve anymore. We really didn't never had a great serve, but it's fine. It's not amazing by any means. And Sinner's a pretty good returner. But I do think that Murray is going to really struggle with his overall court coverage. And I think that when you're looking at the speed that Sinner's able to hit from both wings at, I think Murray's going to have problems, and I think Sinner's going to smack him around the court. So for me, I think Murray probably loses in straight sets. Maybe he makes it interesting to a tiebreaker. But I do think that Sinner is going to take care of an old and tired Murray, and I think Sinner is probably going to win comfortably. So anyway, that's going to do it for the eight matches for the round of 16. Apologies once again that I only have lines on half of them, but for some reason, they take their sweet time putting up lines. Either way, though, uh, time to move on to the final segment of the show, which is the Lock and Dog Picks. But before we do that, i have a quick word from our sponsor. We're brought to you by the SportsCam Podcast Patreon. SportsCam Podcast Patreon is the perfect place for the diehard DGEN. Sign up for the Patreon to get exclusive access to contests, including the NFL Win Totals Contest with a $1,000 first place prize, plus a monthly SGP Stories podcast, an ad-free, uncensored show highlighting the best stories from decades of being degenerate gamblers. There is even a Discord channel just for patrons. The SportsCam Podcast has... And always will give out all their picks for free. The Patreon is a great way to support the network and fight back against corporate gambling. Sportscampodcast.com slash Patreon. Sportscampodcast.com slash Patreon. We're also brought to you by Parlay Play. Parlay Play is a great way to get down on your favorite parlayed player props. Football season is right around the corner, and Parlay Play will have all your favorite props. Parlay Play is available in a ton of states, including California and Texas. Plus, our good friends up north, Parlay Play, is available in all provinces of Canada. And when you sign up with our code, you'll get a sweet bonus to get started. Head over to parlayplay.io and use promo code SGP for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. That's parlayplay.io, promo code SGP. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing the round of 16 in Toronto. Now it's time to get into the lock and dog picks for the show. Starting off with the lock for the show, I am going to go back to the Medvedev and Musetti match. And for this one, it's kind of a similar bet to what we had yesterday. I do like Medvedev to win in straight sets, but I don't want to lay that juice. But I found out FanDuel does have different wordings for the same bet, and sometimes the odds differentiate. So, for example, Medvedev to win... Uh, in straight sets 
is the same exact thing as Medvedev, or I should say Medvedev to win in straight sets is the same exact thing as Musetti to not win a set. The same exact wager, just worded differently. However, Musetti to not win a set is minus 132, when most other books have Medvedev 2-0 at around minus 150. So you're saving juice automatically. And Musetti, once again, is not a great hardcore player, not a great server, doesn't volley that much either. So Medvedev should be able to park himself behind the baseline and win some rallies. But I am concerned about Musetti's unforced errors with the one-handed backhand. And I do think with the underwhelming serve, you're going to end up seeing Medvedev get some breaks in and win in straight sets. I don't mind the under at 20 and a half, but if I can just take him to win in straight sets at minus 132, that feels like a very generous price. So I'm going to take it. But you're going to give me a top five hardcore player in the world against a guy that's not known for his hardcore successes in the past. That's good enough for me. Give me Medvedev to win in straight sets. Or in other words, you have Musetti to not win a set at minus 132 on FanDuel. And moving on to the dog for the show, I am going to go back to the Fritz and Dimenauer match. Once again, I'm kind of limited because I don't have lines on half of the card. But I am going to go with Dimenauer Moneyline at plus 122. Simply put, I am really just that concerned about Fritz's stamina and fatigue. And even watching against Umber, I really did not think he looked that great. Now, I know that you ended up seeing Herc, you ended up seeing uh, Dimenauer have a couple of competitive matches that he won in straight sets against Nori and against Diallo. But he looked fine for the most part. But I do think when you're looking at these styles of play, Dimenauer is going to force Fritz to move around the court a lot, and I really thought that Fritz didn't do much to win that third set. Umber kind of handed it over on a platter, and I think as a result, he's a bit overvalued here. But I do think that Fritz's movement is compromised. I think that his lift on his serve is a bit compromised, and it's very noticeable in the second and third set. So I am going to go with Dimenauer to use his quickness and his insane amount of energy to keep the ball in play, unlike Umber, and to wear down Fritz over these three sets in route to a nice win. So once again, the lock and dog for the show. The lock is going to be on Medvedev to win in straight sets. And for my dog, I'm going to go with Dimenauer Moneyline at plus 122. But that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the round of 16. We'll back once again to get into the quarterfinals here. But until next time, find me on Twitter at Rice Show Radio. Find me on the NBA show, the MLB show. Find me on the WNBA show. You get the point. Until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.